0: Hey, Badasses, I'm Kelly Young, and I'm so glad you're here. It's just me today. If you've listened to other episodes, you know that my co-host is Stevie Kirsch, but she's out and we agreed we didn't want to miss a chance to bring you another story of an amazing woman. So this podcast is all about that. It's a podcast where we have the privilege to sit down and talk with women we think are living badassery lives. These are ordinary women doing extraordinary things. Women who are social activists, moms, entrepreneurs, athletes, survivors, mentors, and more. Through this podcast, we want to lift others up and empower all women to own their badassery life. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave us a review. We'd also love it if you joined us on social media, Facebook and Instagram at badassery life. And if there's a badass woman you want us to know, email us at badasserylife at gmail.com. With each episode, we hope to awaken the badass in you by bringing you stories of powerful, beautiful, bold women like this one. Alenia Moore describes herself as a visionary powerhouse and a giver. Others describe her as hardworking, go-getter and tenacious. No matter what words you use, she's pretty incredible. Alenia is middle child of four, grew up in Toledo, Ohio. Her childhood was plagued with challenges growing up, having to overcome living in low-income housing, a no-show father, and a schizophrenic mother who was addicted to both drugs and alcohol. She was raised by her grandmother who provided the basics, food, clothing, and roof, but lacked emotional stability, comfort, and sound guidance. Growing up in the projects, witnessing drugs, violence, and poverty left Alenia feeling unsure of what life had to offer. But as she shared with us she was dealt a bad hand growing up replaced some cards and drew some wild cards that helped her persevere through some tough times and daily challenges today she's the founder and ceo of ladies under construction a mentor outreach program for girls in the indianapolis area she's also a motivational
1: speaker and of course a badass so Lina, thanks so much for being here Thank you so much, Kelly, for having me. I was reading, I was listening to that and I'm like, who is she talking about? Oh, that's me. (laughs) That is so you. And I have
0: to say for our listeners too, we actually um, connected, we were on a panel together for a high school, um, local high school, and you had shared a couple of uh, tidbits about your background and then just listening to you on that panel, I'm like, I'm connecting with her. She's, she's pretty cool. So thanks for being here with us today.
1: No problem,
0: Kelly. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So first, let's talk about the young Alenia. You definitely had your fair share of challenges. Talk about life growing up and what are some of the hardest challenges you faced?
1: Um, I would say just in general, um, just a young girl. Um, not understanding who she was. I really didn't have role models like that. I was raised with my grandmother, as you just mentioned, and um, just really to search to find myself. Um, actually, I was like a tomboy. I love sports. Um, I had um, two older brothers. And so I really, really gravitated towards the side as far as playing with the boys and basketball and all these different things. And so. Um, Yeah, I've just always been on some type of search to find out, you know, who am I going to become? What what does life look like for me? And I knew that it was much more than what I saw. And so um, my basketball coach saved me. I I like to say he uh, saved me. And so he was that father figure for me uh, when I was in high school and um, just really always looking to find out what's next. I know there's more, but how can I obtain that? And so I just continued to go on. I, I grew up in sports. I love the Boys and Girls Club. The Boys and Girls Club was my uh, safe haven. And so that's where I was able to go to, you know, more positive, more of an outlet away from the things that I knew about in the neighborhood and really just kind of continue searching. Ended up graduating with the 1.7 GPA. Um, had a D average. Didn't really think I would be able to go to college, and you know, thanks be to God, I ended up getting accepted to the University of Cincinnati on academic probation that first year. And so, um, just looking back over my childhood. I was the middle child, uh, often misunderstood, always a loud mouth, you know, had things to say. And then um, then came that that time where I was able to flourish once I graduated. And so that's that's who I am. Um, I always like to say as a young lady, the first best friend she should have is her mother. I didn't have my mother, you know, um, consistently in my life. Um, And so that's just something that I always wanted to learn and wanted to know about and so yeah that's that's kind of a snapshot of you know the overall of my childhood
0: yeah that's amazing and i imagine as you share just you know kind of seeing that um the the drugs and the violence and and just the poverty and everything that you uh, experienced and saw maybe also shaped you a little bit to wanna drive further wanna go further and and wanna get out of the projects is that is that fair to say Correct.
1: Yes, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And it it was scary because I, you know, how do you, how can you get out of something that if that's all you know, and that's all you've come from, and that's all that you've been seeing. And so um, that was huge for me once I played basketball, because I got to travel and I got to explore, you know, outside of the neighborhood. And so that was something that was very, very important and also impactful for me.
0: You were a first generation college student. Is that right?
1: Yes, indeed. I was a first generation college student. And let me tell you, it was it was a it was isolation. I I was isolated a lot. I was um, really, really for that search to find, you know, finding myself, finding what it is that I needed. And once I remember being dropped off by my oldest brother and it was like, you know, I'm three hours away. I've been dropped off. And so here you go. You know, you say you want to do something different. Here's I I looked at my campus as I look at it, look back on it. That was my land of opportunity. That was the land of opportunity that I had for me. And so that was very, very important for me
0: yeah I have a um, actually Jenny uh, is our producer. She and I both have seniors that are going off to college. so mine's heading off to Purdue and and Jenny's is heading off to Ball State University and that opportunity, I just I'm so excited for them. I know we both are. Um, but what I don't know, do you have any like and I, I'm throwing this at you because this wasn't on the list, but do you have any great tips for some of these kids that are going off of college, especially as they're you know they're new
1: to these all new experiences? You know what, um, dream big and don't give up. Remember why you got started. Um, even though this may be, you know, the first for you and your your family, you, the reality is um, you can be the change that you wanted to see. And so knowing that you go on a campus, look at it as opportunity. Opportunity meets success. And so the way I look at it is that allow the opportunity of the campus and the experience to create the muscle that you're going to need to use that strength so that you can, you know, get to the end. And so that's what I would say. Um, be tenacious. Uh, if you do not know what you're doing, a lot of times you're, you're isolated, you're scared, you're nervous, do it anyway. You're already feeling the feeling. And so just continue on. Um, lastly, I would say, get you a tribe of people that's able to push you on those days that you can't even push yourself. And so that would be, you know, something else that's very huge for me.
0: That's awesome. And I am um, don't mind saying I'm about to turn 50 and all that advice is still so relevant for someone in the, if any of our listeners are older and not heading off to the college age. But, um, you know, I love that about having a tribe and, and um, you know, surrounding yourself with positive people. I feel like I've done that, but uh, definitely want to see our kids do that as well, too. So uh, thanks for sharing that. Uh, for sure. But I'm, I I want to talk a little bit about your career path, because after a successful uh, college career, you went on to become a counselor at a juvenile center, and now you run a nonprofit called Ladies Under Construction. Can you talk about that interesting path and where you started in your career to where you are today?
1: Yeah, so for me, um, wow, um, ended up graduating with a um, From the University of Cincinnati, I did uh, criminal justice. And once I did that, um, I ended up relocating to Indianapolis. I accepted a job as a counselor, correct? I did that for about three or four years. I've always wanted to work in with youth, the at-risk youth learning about the mindset. And so that's when juvenile delinquency was a focus for me. And so um, just doing that, once I did juvenile delinquency and I learned a lot, I learned about the mindset of kids because I always wanted to be the person to let them know that no matter where you come from, no matter, as I say, what cards you're dealt with, you can have a wild card in your hand that can just pivot that entire deck of cards. And so for me, I've always wanted to do that. And that was um, something that was important. And so that's what I did as a counselor. And then for my nonprofit, Ladies Under Construction, I wanted to make sure I was that person for those young ladies that were once me. And so I remember that if I had someone like me when I was younger to be able to do the things that I'm able to do and share my life experience, I would have been... it would have been a lot different, you know, being, having someone to look like me. And so that's what I, that's why I ended up starting the organization. It's called Ladies Under Construction because we are all under construction, no matter our age, we're never complete. And so my focus is always whatever I have, I should continue to reach back to pull others up, to get to that next level. And so we have two hands with two arms. One should be reaching up and one should be reaching back. And so that's why I ended up getting to that point to where I did, you know, those things that I did.
0: That's amazing. I can tell you're a motivational speaker. I'm writing down notes like furious, like, that's a great quote. Oh, that's a great piece. <laughs> so um, which since I mentioned that, why don't you talk a little bit about that? Can you share? So you're your motivational speaker, correct? And where do you speak?
1: Yeah, so um, in Intel, um, it's more out of life speaks. I ended up branching off to what I did to the company. More Out of Life Speaks is uh, basically generated on my last name and I speak at different schools, organizations, and also uh, juvenile detention centers. Um, I've spoke at, um, I spoke basically with youth. I really focus a lot on teenage girls and young women. And why do you think that is?
0: Is that because of how you grew up?
1: Yes, it's how I grew up um, because I feel that as a teen girl, there's a lot of things that we experience, and we we just need someone to look like us, and we need someone that will be able to understand. But then also for the young women, because I believe that once individuals get eighteen, it, people think that okay they're adult now. But I look at it as this: when you're eighteen, you are a newborn in the adult world. You are a newborn, and being a newborn, we have to cultivate. That newborn. We have to nourish that newborn. We have to nurture that newborn. And so I just have a heart for the newborn adults, you know, the newborn and the infant and the toddlers, because we lose a lot of young people when they're that 18 to 25 year old age range because we think, oh, they're grown. Now they're out of here. No, they're just now beginning this thing called adulthood. And so if I can just give just an ounce of what I've experienced, to get, allow them to have the belief and the hope that they need to know that even if something happened in your childhood and you didn't have those things, that don't mean you can't be that person. And so that's why I did that.
0: Yeah. And so the construction and the girls. So talk a little bit about construction and, and girls. It's
1: so funny you ask that, Kelly, because a lot of people contact the number and they think we're a construction company. You think They think we're all female construction company and I always tell them I said no this is a mentoring program but stay tuned (laughs) I always say but stay tuned but yeah so construction I just think about the foundation you think about something being built you think about yourself as a woman you think about these young girls what is the foundation that needs to be laid and how many layers need to be put on top of each other to help build her to be that woman that she needs to be to be that whoever that woman that she's called to be And so that is something for me as it relates to those uh construction.
0: Okay, so you know, I know you've done a lot, you've accomplished a lot, but I'm curious if during any of those times you felt vulnerable and uh you know what what did
1: you do during your most vulnerable times? You know, vulnerable is a is a hard word. I, you know, when I think of vulnerability, I think of starting something new and um just being delicate you know and so I just feel like all the different things that I did in life is just like put me in vulnerable positions but the way I was able to do that is really find out the reason why I got into that particular situation try to figure it out um it hasn't always been easy because I feel like in general my entire adversity and my entire time when I've isolated myself away from my family, I think it continues to be those vulnerable moments. And so the thing that I've learned to do is focus on why I got started. Focus on what led me to where I'm at and really take me out of the equation and understand I'm a firm believer that my life is really not for me. It's about What am I going to leave on this earth? What is my legacy going to be? And so anytime that I'm in vulnerable situations, um, as long as there's not a safety issue, you know, um, I do it. I I love adversity when it comes to obstacles. It's like, because I just feel like, like I said, it was so interesting. You said that the other day and I talked about it. I said, you know what? People say they was built and, and dealt a bad deck of cards. But when I think about it, I'm like, okay, I was dealt a not so good deck of cards in in regards to life. But I I got a wild card and that one wild card could change the entire hand. You know, it's like, yeah, you have this. But guess what? Once you play that wild card, you're able to then. Decide how the rest of your hand is going to be played. You decide what the color is. You decide, you know, what that next movement is. So I just feel like I was, I just had the wild card movement. And so anytime I'm in vulnerable situations, um, I really, really try to self-reflect and evaluate and remember where I started at.
0: That's amazing. I was telling um Jenny and I were talking to I'm like I need you to come talk to all of the young girls that I know because you just have such a beautiful, powerful uh perspective on life. Uh so I love that. And I'm I'm so much enjoying this conversation. So thank you so much. No um, problem. So you also shared with us though that you are um uh, have custody over your 15 year old nephew. Can you talk about how that came about and, and why you chose to take on such an important role?
1: With <laughs> <laughs> uh, the wild cards. Yeah, right. Uh, that was, let me tell you, that was part of the, look, that was me not knowing that wild card, how, how it would have brought, it would have brought me, you know what? Um, my sister. I have a younger sister. My sister. I like to say. Uh, I don't like to say it, but I. I look at it as she took on the path of my mother. Mm-hmm. You know, even though we weren't necessarily raised with my mother, two people raised in the same household turn out totally different, and I believe all because the power of choice, but also the impact of DNA. You know, um, and so her. That's her oldest son. And so just in a nutshell, it was um, domestic violence played a part, you know, um, alcohol, drugs played a part, Um, in and out of incarceration played a part. And so I used to go home and visit a lot. And each time I go home and visit, you know, it's nothing like you being the person that wants to do great for yourself. At that time, I didn't have any kids when I used to go home and visit. But going home and seeing the kids that are coming after you. In so many moments that you remember you were in in mm-hmm. so many moments that you remember that it's not the kids fault; They didn't ask to be here. And so I, I, I took it hard for myself because I'm like, I'm going out and doing all this for myself and I'm leaving these young people behind and I can be here. And so um, it was one time I went home and I and I, I saw things, I experienced things. And you know what? As I think about it, I actually had two. I had two of her two oldest. I had her two oldest for a while in the system. If you're in the system for two years, then you have to find a permanency option.
0: Okay. There
1: was no permanency option for my family. Nobody would, you know, everybody is family, but it's not until, you know, you get to the decision when it says, Hey, can they come live with you? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You understand? It's like, although I have two older brothers, everybody's not willing to make the sacrifice. And so you have me out here and what I say, saving the world and saving the kids and ladies under construction, I'm doing all these different things. And now I have two young men that are in my family that need me. What are you going to do then? You want to save everybody else. You want to do this. And so now as you always work with girls, this is your assignment. And so um, I took him in when he was 11, his brother was nine And I had both of them for a while and it got a lot on me. It got a lot. It got a a lot on me and um, I didn't get any help. I didn't get any assistance. I didn't get any of that. And it was, it took a toll on me. You know, it took a toll mentally and emotionally. And the youngest one, I ended up Kelly, I ended up using Facebook and found his father's side of the family. Oh, really? And I found his father's side of the family and I found his auntie. And I told her the situation. It was to the point where if I sent him back at that time, back to the system, he would have been adopted out because he was so young. Mm -hmm. I didn't want that on me. I didn't want that on my heart, you know. And so fast forwarding it, his um, it was a it was an uncle found the uncle. The uncle ended up adopting him, taking him in, adopted him. And I ended up getting legal custody of my nephew, the oldest one until he's 18, because see here, he don't know who his father is. And so that was something that touched me too. Mm -hmm. Because if I, if I don't, he don't have another option. Mm -hmm. It's just the system. And I just know from who I am and what I've seen in my juvenile delinquency, And just, just in general, that a young black teenage male, to be honest, I'm not going to say it like this, but I'm going to say it like this. Somebody's not going to want to adopt a teenage young black male that, you know what I mean? Like that's not, that's not when it comes to, I've worked in the system for a long time. That's not a favorable option for those that are looking to adopt. And so I didn't want him to fall victim to the criminal justice system. I didn't want him to fall victim to knowing that everybody else was able to go somewhere. And now look at me. I'm just going from foster home to foster home. That went back to my career as juvenile center and all these. I see so many kids bouncing from foster home, foster home. This family don't want them. That family don't want them. And all this. They ended up being part of the system, whatever that system may be. And so, yeah, I took him I, I've had him. He's, he's 15 now. I've had him since he was 11. And I tell you, Kelly, whoo, Jesus, <laughs> you say what? Bad three. Okay. <laughs> it has been, it's been a beautiful thing. It's been a whirlwind. Because I don't know nothing about teenage boys. I don't know where to start. And I don't, I guess I do know where to finish because I tell him, I say all the time, I say in my head, I don't tell him though. I'd be wanting to. I always say, I wish he would grow up and not be nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: But well, what an incredible heart you have to take on that important role. I mean, on top of the fact that you have your own child. And so uh, just caring for two and and um, one of them being your nephew. So that's amazing um, that you do that and that you share your love with him as well, too. So I know we don't have too long. I, a couple of qu- questions that we typically ask I guess One of them really that I, you know, with all that you've done, one question that I like to ask is really, you know, what matters most to you out of, everything that you've done everything you've accomplished your personal your professional what what matters most
1: my legacy my daughter my daughter being able to say many things that I couldn't say as a young girl about her mother me being the example for those that are coming after me i always say if it did not happen before me in my family it is me that is up to change the trajectory of things in our bloodline and so that's really what that's what I do it for. A lot of people say, you just you're just so old. You you just seem so I'm only 36, you know, um, but I tell you, I I have an old soul and I just believe in wisdom. I respect wisdom of elders, but I and I also love the legacy that I'm imprinting here. And so that's what it means to me. Legacy, those that are coming after me and the impact, not while I'm here, but once I'm gone, how will I be remembered?
0: Yeah, that's incredible. What do you think has all led to your success, and um, what's what's kind of feeding into that legacy that you're going to be leaving behind?
1: Um, I don't know. I I, I want to just say, I want to say the thing that feeds into just the fact that I'm the person. I feel like I, I was the um, I was the chosen one. Because as I think about my family and things uh, on my mother's side, um, I was a chosen one, you know? And so that's what that's what I feel like feeds into it. And I'll I'll actually give you um uh, I'll give you some breaking news that I obtained just literally yesterday, in which I won't go too much in detail with it, but it's like a stay tuned moment.
0: Yeah, I love it.
1: But when we talk about legacy and we talk about me growing up and not knowing my father, and we talk about all these different things yesterday, I cracked the code yesterday. I've cracked the code of finding out who my father was. Oh,
0: and you're just telling us this now.
1: Yes, I am. Cause oh, it's just going to be, help. it's going to be a dot, dot, dot moment. We are just, because I'm still in awe and also when you talk about you talk about the you know badass and all that let me tell you I'm gonna be 37 soon and it has taken me close to three years in ancestry DNA and all these different things and I'm still in awe at what I found out so short and so yeah Okay, so... (laughs) So the dot, dot, dot
0: means that we definitely need to bring you back on because I have so many questions about that. I know Stevie will have so many questions about that. So, uh, yeah, we're going to need to follow back (laughs) up on that because like, I want to know why you wanted to find him so bad, how you found him, what that means now I've got so many questions. Uh, I just, I, I like, first of all, I have goosebumps around that. And, you know, now I want to know like what the
1: connection's going to be, the reunite. Oh my God. Gosh, but you do that to us, but he did just pass in November.
0: Okay. Well, I'm sorry to hear that, but I still have a lot of questions. Exactly.
1: And, and it's, it's going to be in this and it's now because because you asked the question of why, why do I do it right in this finding out what I found out about my father's bloodline is that that's who they are. And so although I've never met him, he has always been in me based on genetics and based on what they do. And so when you talk about servant leaders and you talk about all these different things, that right there. Just basically it gave it. I was so emotional. It was just like what their ministers and this and that. Oh, my God, they're doing this. What my my alleged brother runs a boys program. What? And so now, the pieces are being placed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> we're we're gonna
0: have a we're gonna have an Alenia part two. I just I'm I really I'm gonna follow up on that because I, I think that there's so much to that, and um I'm I'm gonna make a note to follow up with you on that. Before I let you go though, um, I want people to. Know how to find you and, and more about the nonprofit that you lead and that sort of thing. So, where are some of the best um, places to find you? Website, social media, that sort of thing.
1: Yep. So, it is Ladies Under Construction. Ladies is plural. Ladiesunderconstruction.org. Construction.org. You can also find us on Facebook. It's Ladies Under Construction Mentoring Program. So, it can be just Ladies Under Construction Mentoring Program or it's going to be ladies under construction.
0: Okay. All right. And the last question that Stevie and I always, always like to ask, and I know I might go over a little bit and I'm so sorry, but I just, we love this question. You, we, we always ask our guests about their gift and we love to celebrate the incredible gifts of women, the inspiration, strength, courage, empowerment, and more. What would you say as we're closing out that you believe your gift is and how do you like to share that with others?
1: My gift, who my gift is to um, be the bridge, be the fire starter, be the person that can ignite the something in you so that you can fulfill whatever it is that you need to fulfill in life. And so that's, that's what my gift is. I'm a people person, you know, I'm not a people pleaser, but I am definitely a people person in reference to finding out how can I help you get what it is that you need to get, hence the more out of life.
0: Well, I was going to say your 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 gift is also one of uh, leaving us on a cliffhanger here. <laughs> <laughs> um, for sure, well, you have you parted far here. <laughs> I I know. And I'm going to follow up with you again, um, for sure. But Alenia, thank you so much for being here with us today and for sharing a part of your story and uh, for a part two coming up soon. Um, but your your story is definitely one that made us stop and say she's a badass. And we really wanted to follow up and wanted to hear more. So uh, thank, thank you. you. Yeah, thank no you. problem. Thank you. And thanks to all of you badasses out there listening. We'd love to hear what you think, write a review or shoot us a message at badasserylife at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at badasserylife and on Instagram at badassery underscore life. A shout out to Kevin McLeod for our podcast music and of course our badass producer, Jenny Duran. Until next time, keep being your badass self.